to Sorrel Bible Church on a Saturday night. It's great to be with you and great to have you with us, even though it's only through a screen. Now, because of this virus, we've had a lot of restrictions and had to deal with lots of things. And at the moment, uh, it's Anzac Day. Today is Anzac Day. And um, we might not have been able to attend dawn services or go to the RSL. And some people might be frustrated that they haven't been able to celebrate our diggers in the way that they've wanted to. But coincidentally, I've actually been reading a book um, on Gallipoli right now and there's something I wanted to share from you, share from it for you. And this is part of a letter that Private Arthur Blackburn, who was part of the first group to land at Anzac Cove, wrote to his brother. He says this, The beach was very rocky and it was not the easiest thing on earth to clamber over slippery rocks. All this time bullets were whizzing around us and men were falling here and there. I rushed across the shore to the shelter of a small bank and there... I shed my pack and fixed my bayonet and straight on to drive the beggars away. The way our chaps went at it was a sight to behold. No one attempted to fire, but we just went straight on, up the side of the cliff, pushing our way through thick scrub and often clambering over, up the steep sides of the cliff on all fours. And I thought that was a remarkable picture of um, sacrifice, courage and uh, um, perseverance um, from the people that landed, at, just one of the per persons that landed at Anzac Cove. And they fought for the freedoms that we have. We get to um, worship our God uh, freely and confidently here in Australia because of what they've done. And that Anzac story also reminded me of the perseverance that Paul writes about at the start of um, Romans chapter 5. And this is what he says. Therefore, since we have justified through faith, we have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing regularly in our gatherings um, lately is doing interviews. And today I have the privilege of interviewing Joel, one of our volunteer pastors. So, Joel, thanks for being willing to have a chat. No worries, thanks for interviewing me. Uh, I just wanted to start by um, saying you've been one of really the driving force behind um, some of these podcasts we've been doing lately. Uh, and we've got two that we've been producing. I just thought maybe we could start by hearing a little bit about both of those, what they're about. Yeah, so the first one we have um, uh, is related to our services, which is uh, just called Sorrow Revival Church, the podcast. And that's basically just the audio that um, you hear on our all our services that are live. So we try and get them out by Tuesday each week to um, make sure you can, if you miss the services when you're watching it live on Facebook, then you can um, you can see you can listen to that. And we just we just basically take the singing out, and then that's it. So that's I mean actually really a really good learning. Um, tool for me to learn how to do podcasting and stuff like that. So but there's another awesome. one too, isn't there, that yeah. came out a bit earlier. That was the first one, yeah, yeah which is um, The Shock Absorber, which is um, me and our lead pastor, Stu, talking about um, basically more to me trying to mine Stu's mind for all of his knowledge and wisdom and stuff and like that. And actually get it down, yes. you know, uh, recorded in a way we can use. Yeah, use, come, come ha have some kind of legacy project that we can, like, we can yeah. help other churches if they're interested in doing the way that we do church. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, can you tell us just the whole um, platform of podcasts? What do you hope these will actually go out and achieve? Why yeah, are we doing them? Uh, well, I think um, well, I've been listening to podcasts since two thousand nine, so like I've been around the block on, on the podcast block. 
Um, but uh, I, th- I think it, the podcasts are massive these days. Like people just do it for their income. Like yeah, they're so income. easy to be able to access them and yeah, listen. and you can listen to it whenever you want. Yeah. And it's basically you can choose to listen to whatever you want to. So um, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, that's one of the cool things about doing church in this new way that we have to at the moment is that it's taught us how to do this kind of yeah. thing. Which is what when we move back to hopefully meeting in in here. Um, we can, we'll still be doing Some that regardless. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I have no idea what go, what the process of actually putting one of these things together looks like. Maybe you can give us a bit of a behind the scenes insight into what it takes to actually produce a podcast. Yeah, sure. So, um, I compared to the guys that do the video stuff for us every week, it's pretty easy. Um, Ethan just sends me the audio and I just... Um, I load into a program called GarageBand, which you might have seen. It's on most Mac computers, and then I just uh, kind of add some music, maybe break it up with a little bit of a little sound at the end. Uh, sorry, at the beginning and the end, and um, just in between, like the prayers and the sermon, and that's it. And then you just need to. We have a podcast host, which just it uploads it, and then basically that just uploads it to every single podcast platform that's that's popular anyway. Yeah, and we get this massive reach. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it just like drops onto your phone, which yeah. is really cool that we can do that. It doesn't actually probably only takes me 20 minutes per podcast now, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine on one of these, you mentioned you're working closely with Stu. I imagine that that um, process would be quite a lot of fun. Um, can you tell us about maybe a highlight of your experience so far in putting these together? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so many. Um but I think uh, the thing that I've learned the most is that um, learning about the history, because that's what we're doing in the first kind of season of the podcast, is learning about the history of Soul Revival and how it started from Stu and Lou and a couple of other guys thinking about doing church differently and seeing that there was a need to do church differently. And then what it's become, how many years later, so that would be like it's almost 30 years later. Um, and that's, that's to my highlight, sorry. But listening for me, listening to some of those, uh, you know, you were part of that early story. So yeah, yeah reflecting as someone who experienced it, but then uh, listening to the the person who was involved in leading it would have been a. It, it just gives me a much greater depth and a level of understanding about how deeply Stu especially thinks about how we are doing church and why we're doing church the way we do. Well, thanks, John. Thank Hopefully, you. Uh, we've some of you, us have got to know you a little bit better. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Um, and now we're going to move on to prayers, which Angie is about to lead us in. So we'll hand over to her. Thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, today on Anzac Day, we think of what Jesus said. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Our Heavenly Father, whose kingdom rules over all, and in whom there is perfect freedom. We give you thanks on this day for all who have served in the defence of this country. As we remember those men and women who served, we give thanks to you, gracious God, for their great sacrifices in conflict and in captivity for the cause of peace and freedom. We also give you thanks for the dedicated service of Australian military and police personnel across our world at this present time. In our nation of greater wealth, prosperity and comfort than most of the world, let us not forget the cost of these privileges which we now enjoy. 
And may our hearts be filled with gratitude and humility towards you, who sent Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace, to die as a sacrifice on our behalf. You have defeated sin, so we do not fear condemnation. You have defeated death, so we are assured of our resurrection. And you walk beside us now, working things out for good and for your glory. Help us not to fear or worry, but remind us each day of what you have already accomplished for us, so we can rest in you. Father, we pray for our schools starting up again this term. We pray for our teachers and families that they would be given the peace, strength and flexibility to teach and care for students. Please sustain our teachers. Bless them with clear minds and creativity as they try to provide online and face-to-face learning this time, this term. We pray for our families and kids. Lord, we know that much of our lives are out of routine, but we ask that as this term starts, that you would bless families with patience, positive mindsets, and helpful routines. Thank you also, Father, that our kids and youth ministries are starting up again this week. We ask that your kingdom will grow through these ministries. You have blessed us greatly with leaders that love you and joyfully serve our young crew each week. Give them wisdom, strength, joy and creativity as they do online ministries and encourage our kids and youth. We continue to pray for those affected by COVID-19. We pray for all our health care staff and other essential service workers, that you would sustain them and protect them. Bless the work of scientists who are trying to find a vaccine across the world. Please also bless our politicians and leaders with great wisdom and clear communication at this time. Lord, we pray for those whose work and workplaces have changed. Please supply those with reduced hours or loss of work with all that they need and with the peace that passes all understanding. Father, particularly at this time, we want to pray for anyone that is in distress, that is sick or in mourning. Please comfort those who are suffering and strengthen those who care for families and friends in need. Let them know your mercy, compassion and love for them. Lord, your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Help us to remember this each day. Amen. Uh, Michael's going to come up and do the most important thing we do at Soul Revival, which is read from God's Word. Uh, So we're starting a new series uh, today in the book of Daniel. So we're going to be reading uh, from Daniel 1, starting at verse 1. And I'll just give you a moment um, to open up the Bible app on your phone or run and get a Bible out of your study. Uh, It'd be really good for you to read along as I read, starting from uh, verse 1 of Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. 
These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Well, hello. Uh, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Star Revival Church. It's good to be with you here this morning as we start this new series in Daniel. And this week I've just been, I've just been contemplating lots, lots of time to think at the moment and to reflect on things. And one of the things I was reflecting on is, is just how, uh, how nothing's really constant in our life except for change. Change seems to be one of those things that is always happening and that only constant thing that happens. And I guess we see change all around us, don't we, from other suburbs that we live in, uh, grew up in. We came back to the Southern Shire not that long ago, a few years ago now, and heaps had changed. Buildings were higher than what they were uh, there was sky rises, there's uh, South Village across the road here went up. All these things changed. Uh, but not only that, not only the areas that we live in, but our jobs change, our families change, our appearance change. We get a little bit hairier, a little bit greyer, uh, maybe a little bit chubbier, uh, whatever it might be. But even at the moment, even church is changing. Change seems to be all around us. It seems to be the constant thing. And I would love to hear about some of the things that uh, you've seen change in your lifetime. I'd love for you to put them in the comments and for us to, uh, to see what, what you've seen uh, as you've grown up, as you've lived. Some of, the, some of them might be good, some of them might not be so good. But change is constant, isn't it? And with change being so constant, it's, it's really important how we deal with change, how we cope with change. See, change can be a good thing. And we can all cope with change, and especially when it's good change. But sometimes change can be not so good. Sometimes it can, change can be drastic. And sometimes there can just be too much change. And that can cripple us. It can, it can affect us in ways. And, and I guess we need to think through how we, how we actually re respond, how we deal with this, this sort of change that goes on in our life, especially when we feel overwhelmed. Well, as we start, as, as uh, Michael said, we start this new series in Daniel. And as we start this new series in the book of Daniel, we see that Daniel and God's people are experiencing not just a little bit of change, but like a whole world of change. Their, cha their lives have been really, quite literally, flipped upside down. The thing is that change for God's people wasn't something new. They had experienced change for a long time. And I'm not going to go all the way back, I'll just go a little bit back. But we see back in, uh, at the end of King Solomon's reign. Now Solomon was the son of King David, the great uh, king of Israel. And Solomon wasn't too bad either. 
And after he died and his reign ended, we actually see that the kingdom of God's people is actually split into two. Now, the one in the north, which was the larger one, kept the name Israel. And about 140 years before what we're reading here in Daniel chapter 1, they were actually captured, defeated and wiped out or destroyed. And the second of those uh, kingdoms after the split was the southern one, the smaller one, and it was called Judah. And Jerusalem was, I guess, its capital city. That is where the king of Judah lived. And at this time, that king was King Jehoiakim. And now we see that it is their turn to be captured, defeated, and for Jerusalem to be destroyed. Now, all this is sort of taking place, I guess, if you want a time period to think about, this is all happening sort of in the early years of the 6th century BC. Now, if you remember just a moment ago, I said that change can be good, and change can be good. But this doesn't seem like good change, does it? This isn't the type of change that we kind of rush out to the shops and buy as much as we can. I love this change. Not at all. This change is drastic. It is a full upheaval. It is a huge thing. And as I said, their whole worlds are being turned upside down. And a good question to ask at this moment is why? Why why is this change happening? Why is their worlds being flipped upside down? Well, there's many places we can look at to find an answer to this. And one of those ways, I guess it's it's probably one of the most concise ones, and it's in 2 Chronicles, chapter 36, verses 5 to 8. And I'm just going to read two verses of it. I'm just going to read 5 and 6, where we find Jehoiakim mentioned, the king of Judah at the time. We see that Jehoiakim was uh, was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God. Nebuchadnezzar, which we just read about in Daniel 1, king of Babylon, attacked him and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. See, there we find that Judah is captured. The king, Jehoiakim, is captured and taken as a prisoner of war. The reason why this is happening is because God had warned Judah time and time again to listen to him, to listen to his commands, to obey his commands, to do good and right in his eyes, not to do evil and the horrible things that were happening. They were not looking after each other, caring for one another, respecting one another. They were out for their own good. And they were given plenty of time to stop and to listen and to turn back to God and to do as he commanded. And what we find, we find that God actually doesn't give empty warnings. It's not like the warnings I give my kids when they don't do the things that uh, they're supposed to do. I don't know what, uh, what things you have, what warnings you've given your kids, whether it's a taking of screen time or something like that and then you haven't followed through. I'd love to hear what your best empty thread or empty warning was that you didn't follow through with. But we find here that God is not like that. He doesn't give empty warnings and God actually follows through and he hands over his people, the ones that he loves dearly. Don't, don't excuse this for thinking that God doesn't love them. See, when, as a parent, we discipline our kids out of love because we love them. And so God in his love 
hands them over to the Babylonians. And they are exiled into Babylon. Just as Adam and Eve faced exile out of the Garden of Eden when they sinned against God, when they didn't listen to God's command, so too Judah, God's people, are exiled over their sins. And so with Jerusalem destroyed and now God's people in exile in Babylon, we kind of have the, I guess the scene is set for the book of Daniel. We have God's rebellious people exiled in a strange land. But what we also find that amidst all of this change, all of this upheaval, we find that God is still in control. So he's God who handed them over. We see that throughout the book of Daniel that God is always with them and that God will always save. That God will always redeem them. Now, this change that we're talking about, it doesn't just happen at the beginning, at the beginning of the book of Daniel in chapter 1 here or before it even. Change happens constantly throughout Daniel, Daniel's life and throughout the book of Daniel. See, the book of Daniel is only 12 chapters. It's actually not that long. You could actually read it in one sitting quite easily. You could do that tonight if you like. But we see that change happens throughout. Just the first six verses, uh, first, sorry, verse chapters, are actually really six different stories. And each of those stories actually has an element of change to it. See, the first four chapters, these first four stories, actually happen during the time and the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. But then when we get to chapter 5, we see that there's a new king. And that king is King Belshazzar. I think he was an Aussie guy. Belshazzar. Anyway, uh, he was a... Uh, and so that's the king in chapter 5. So a new king. And then again, we just go to chapter 6 and there's another king. And it's King Darius. And then the last six chapters, which we'll look at over this series, are mostly visions of Daniel about what will happen in the future and the changes that will come. But what happens is that all these changes happen in a blink of an eye. They happen over time. In fact, by the time we get to Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, we find that actually 70 years, 70 or so years have actually transpired, have actually taken place to that point. And so these things happen over a long period of time. And what is amazing is that through, through, this, uh, through this, we actually find that uh, that Daniel and his friends actually remain faithful to God in amongst all this change. And this change is quite massive. Over this 70 years since this first chapter was written, since this first point where Daniel and these others and his friends are actually brought into the king's inner circle. Now, because they were brought in to where they were, we actually find that actually where they've been, been brought into this university of such, I guess, this point where they are being taught all these different things, we find that it is a dangerous place to be. Now, I remember uh, when I was about 16, I filled in for one of, the, uh, one of the men's team in the club that I played for, soccer for. And one of the players, I, I want to think that he was being nice and trying to look out for me and maybe uh, give me some advice, but I think it was more of a warning. And he said, uh, he said these words. He said, you're playing with the big boys now. 
Now, I think that was more of a threat maybe than a warning. I'm not sure. But I think what he was trying to say was that I've made this jump up from being a 16-year-old playing with these fully grown men and they play hard and I need to be prepared to get hurt. And I guess for Daniel and his friends, they are playing with the big boys now. They're sitting at the big boys' table. They face danger at every turn. At every changing moment, there is great threat and danger to their lives. We don't have to read very far to see that. We know the great stories of, Jan- of Daniel chapter 3 and 6, where their lives are very much on the, on the line. But how Daniel and his friends stand firm in their obedience to God through all this, through all this change, is one of the big themes in Daniel, in this book of Daniel. And so as we see the change from Jerusalem to Babylon, from one king to the next, through all these changes, how does Daniel and his friends face these threats? I just want to briefly touch on chapter 1, where we see Daniel and his friends who have faced exile, and now they are forced not just to, to be in a different land, but to actually change their culture, to change their language, to read literature from, from different people that is not their own, to even eat food that is not the food that they would normally eat, and even they were to obey uh, a, different, a different king. Their king has changed. There was even pressure to change their faith in God and in his word, to actually change their their religion to some Babylonian god or gods. And so when we see the way that they deal with change in this first chapter and throughout uh, the book of Daniel, we actually see there is great hope for us. Daniel actually gives us great hope for dealing with all the different changes, good and bad all those changes that happen in our lives. Even Daniel and his friends, they had something to cling to when the the raging waters of change came, something solid, something unchanging, a rock to anchor their lives to. I think Daniel and his friends knew that God was that rock to anchor themselves to. In fact, I think that Daniel and his friends' lives really echo very clearly David's words in Psalm 62, verse 2, where he says, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. See, this is, this is very true of Daniel and his friends and the way that they live their life in exile, in amongst all this change, that they cling to this rock. In amongst all this change, the thing that doesn't change is God. And they anchor their lives, their hope is in him. And so because of that, they will not be shaken by whatever pressure of change that comes. Even when that pressure comes with the very threat of their lives, they will not be shaken. Now, while I'm not going to dig into chapter 1, Paul will do that tomorrow at our Kiriwe gatherings, and I'm going to do that at Yarrawarra and Woolaware tomorrow, so feel free to tune into one of those to get a little bit more of chapter 1. But I do want to leave us with this, because at the moment, there are many things that are moving and changing around us. There is much uncertainty, and we need something solid to anchor ourselves to, to anchor our lives to. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 6, verse 7 to 20. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear 
to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. See, we have an anchor, an anchor that doesn't go down into the depths of the water like a boat anchor, but actually goes up into the high reaches of heaven, to the very throne room of God, where Jesus is now seated as the king of God's kingdom for all eternity. And he will not move. He will not be shaken. He is solid and firm and secure. And that is where our anchor is to be. That is, that is our place where we are to anchor our lives in. Because we see that Jesus has gone before us. Jesus is God's answer to his promise. That promise of salvation, that promise of forgiveness, that promise of eternal life in God's kingdom. That promise of hope that there will be something better to come in the, in the next life. Something that will get us through the changing uh, raging, changing waters that we experience in this life. The promise that God has given us, those who trust and believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That in his death and resurrection, that sin and death have been defeated once and for all. And we are to put our hope in him. We are to, he is to be our anchor as we experience all the different changes that we find in this world. Jesus is our hope, our anchor, our firm and secure hope. So we are in a time now, we, it's a very different time and there's change all around us. And it's gonna, there's gonna, change is going to continue for a lot longer to come. And I want us, as we finish up tonight, to just ponder for a moment and think what might God be teaching us during this time of change? See, God used Daniel as a beacon of light for when, the Israelite, for when God's people felt tempted to go with the flow of change. Daniel was that example, that encouragement. And he taught Daniel what it is to be faithful, to be obedient, to trust and to be loyal to him, to be obedient to God. What is God teaching you? What is God teaching me through this time of change? And my prayer for us is this, is that we will be just as determined as Daniel was to stand firm in the hope that we have of Jesus, that Jesus would be our anchor, just as Daniel was determined to stand firm with God as his anchor. Let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the book of Daniel and for the great encouragement we have to stand firm, to put our trust in you, to anchor our lives in you, in your son, Jesus. Father, we pray that we would do that and we would reflect and ask questions on what you are teaching us during this time of change. And Father, we pray that as we do that, that we, Father, we pray that we would be determined, that we would make the resolve that Daniel made 
to obey you, to remain loyal to you, to trust you, and to put our hope in you. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this evening. And as Jaya said, change is always constant. And on the 25th of April, 1915, our country changed forever. But whatever the change, whether it's good or bad, uh, God is in control. And um, because of that, he is our anchor and we can um, stand firm in our obedience with him. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.